You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. Welcome to this episode of Disease Du Jour on the topic of equine integrative sports medicine with Dr. Larkspur Carroll. I'm your host, Kim Brown, editor of Equimanagement. The Disease Du Jour podcast is brought to you in 2023 by Merck Animal Health. Dr. Carroll received her veterinary degree from The Ohio State University. She interned at Rudin Ridland, Lexington, Kentucky, then earned her acupuncture certification through the Qi Institute of Chinese Medicine and is certified by the International Veterinary Chiropractic Association. She founded Core Therapies LLC in 2008. Based in Versailles, Kentucky, Core Therapies strives to meet the comprehensive veterinary chiropractic and acupuncture needs of Central Kentucky. She also is certified through the University of Tennessee in equine rehabilitation. And just as a note, Dr. Carroll's mother was a racehorse trainer and a mixed animal practitioner, and Larkspur comes from her mother's love of gardening. I just had to throw that in because I thought that was wonderful. And then Dr. Carroll also might be familiar to some of those on, who listen to our podcast who are on the thoroughbred circuit because she worked as an exercise writer some, and she is the daughter of the late thoroughbred trainer, Del Carroll, whom I remember as being one of the perennial leading trainers at Keeneland because I used to live in Versailles, Kentucky. So welcome to my neighbor, Dr. Carroll, for joining us on today's Disease Du Jour. Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. It's such a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Well. The problem with this kind of topic is I could talk all day or actually I could listen all day to everything you would have to say. So we we may have to have you back on here because we 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 need to make sure that we kind of keep focused. So we're going to talk about integrative therapies, but I'm going to focus a little bit on chiropractic as we get more toward the end. But I want to start just a little bit about what does integrative sports medicine mean in an equine practice? Well, and I think especially if there are veterinarians listening, it probably would help for me to describe how I even got to this place in my practice, because I started um, as a a veterinary student at Ohio State at the Ohio State. And um, my whole focus and background, as you already said, was on racetrack, racetrack medicine, sports medicine. And I also grew up eventing and working with off the track thoroughbreds of my own. And so my passion has always been the equine athlete and it morphed to racetrack um, and it has grown from there. But I went from my internship to being an associate veterinarian on the racetrack, um, particularly at Keeneland. And I wanted every tool in my toolbox to be a better lameness sports medicine practitioner and a diagnostician, um, because you are feeling in the dark so many times. You have a patient in front of you that can't express themselves with words, but definitely expresses themselves through body language and movement. And so um, any tool I could get in my toolbox to uh, augment um, my visual acuity is what I was looking for. And I was actually exposed to acupuncture, uh, kudos to the Ohio State, because they actually had an acupuncture elective when I was in school there. So there was a practitioner named Dr. Scarda, and he exposed anyone who wanted the elective to acupuncture. So that was my first eye-opening experience. Um, So I had it in the back of my mind then. And then when I get into my internship, um, there were there was a practitioner at Root and Riddle uh, who 
had a specific focus on acupuncture and chiropractic. And then when I went into uh, the practice at the racetrack, Daryl easily was certified in both, again, to augment his lameness di diagnostics. So um, it was mainly my mentors along the way that really left a lasting impression. And I will say personally, I had, I'm going to speak specifically about chiropractic. I had no experience, personal experience on my own body with chiropractic going into it. And I did go into it as a total skeptic. Um, my mom, this will just give you a little background of, of how I was preened. My mom calls me Dr. Voodoo now because she, if she can't <laughs> touch it, feel it, taste it, it, there's, it po couldn't possibly be real. So I went into my chiropractic training specifically as a skeptic, but anything I don't know about, I want to learn more about and make my own decisions. And I always say people don't know what they don't know. And so I did. I went there, learned, kept my eyes open, hemmed and hauled. Is, am I feeling what I'm feeling? Am I seeing what I'm seeing? And then it just opened my eyes and my world to a whole new corridor, if you would. Um, and my my brain, I think, you know, everybody has a different way of thinking. And I, um, this is a little known fact, my um, original, uh, my original focus going into college, my original major was art and architecture. I'm very spatially oriented. Um, ah. Because I grew up with veterinary medicine, you know, as a rebellious teenager, you want to pull away from that, maybe. Um, ironically, you know, biology 101 with uh, with an amazing um, college professor pulled me back to the sciences. Um, but it's that spatial orientation and being able to see things in 3D that had horses speak their movement even more. Um, so that's where I digress to the chiropractic as well with no regrets, no regrets. And then. You know, the other thing is, is that um, I, I have some people kind of take aback that I don't, I do little to no general practice anymore. I do all, I focus my whole practice on chiropractic acupuncture, these rehab modalities um, for two reasons. One, when I started in chiropractic, I learned very early on, there is a degree of sensitivity you, you gain from the repetitive um, the sequential exams. So I gave myself a goal originally of putting my hands on at least three horses a day, six days a week. So I wanted to be a pal motion, palpating, adjusting 18 to 20 horses a week and it, giving myself that, that goal and, um, giving myself that opportunity to feel the movement and have the feedback and see the response, um, just took it from there. Well, that is really incredible. And I know a lot of our veterinary and probably our vet student listeners are, are kind of excited to hear that you can do this without having to be a uh, general practitioner. So tell me a little about what kind of horses are your clients and how you work with other veterinarians then. Sure. What does your day yeah. look like? <laughs> I will say, and this is addressing students or or young associates. I would never, I never regret the general practice I did because it gives me so much insight, and I can guide 
my my client, my patients and my clients and my client communication, because there are so many times that I might see a systemic illness in front of me that's causing a, um, a you know, aberrant tracking or, you know, particularly neurologic disease. Um, I'll, I'll be called to adjust a horse that actually is suffering from a neurologic deficit. And it really helps me to be able to uh, refer those clients where they need to go for the diagnostics they need to go to. Um, so that has been super. And the other thing is being in central Kentucky, we have amazing practitioners and lots of them. So it does, it, it does, it's a place that warrants um, having people with their niches. I don't know that this would be the same kind of practice if I was in, you know, a rural part of the Midwest or something. There's a need for general practice. Um, but then to get back to the types of horses I worked with, um, I work with a whole plethora. It used to be that my practice was, say, 85% at the racetrack. Um, being in central Kentucky, looking to stay in central Kentucky more year round rather than doing the the Southern circuits, um, which being on the racetrack takes you South in the winter, um, more often than not. Um, but the sales arena is here almost all year round. You know, there's the, the breeding farms and there's the sales prep, there's, there's weanlings, there's yearlings, there's mares, there's stallions. And the practice really has started to encompass, encompass more and more of those demographics over the last decade. So I now work with a lot of breeding stallions. Um, speaking of which, the the sheds open today, <laughs> <laughs> and and people and I work with a lot of foals with angular limb deformities. I work with a lot of um, really the whole the whole age range um, sales yearlings, and I get a lot of questions. You know, why would a breeding stallion need um, you know adjusted right and 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 or why would a sales yearling need adjusted? No way but, they should adjust it at this. But age. they've never been around those horses if they don't understand that. <laughs> correct, correct. So um, it's really been uh, so rewarding to be able to provide support to these athletes in every aspect of their phase, um, because it really is at, at every and kind of the loaded question. Even on the sports end, because I work on a lot of uh, event horses, hunter jumpers, dressage, um, a handful of polo ponies, um, pony club horses. Uh, you know, really, even the backyardians we still work on. Um, but it the the loaded question I always get is, does my horse need adjusting? And you know that is the million dollar question. Um, I can always, there's always something to adjust on everybody. It does come to a cost benefit ratio. You know, some can, if there's a showstopper there, or if we can adjust a game changer, you know, or if we're looking for health and well being. A lot of times on the race tracker in my sport horses, we're doing this out of prevention. I say chiropractic is best used as your preventative tool. Um, it is, I, can find patterns in their body that can allude to asymmetry well before we can see it, right? Before it becomes an overt lameness, I can tell a loading pattern. You know, they may be landing very subtly harder on a left front, but it's actually coming from the right hind. And there's certain patterns in that body composition 
that can allude to this underlying asymmetry that has not become an eye-popping overt lameness or even a subtle lameness at that stage. So, um, and, or they may be starting to have some you know, joint discomfort or just tension. It may not even be a point of pain that we can pick up on on their body pattern um, before it's an issue. So this is very, very much used as a body um, pattern uh, injury prevention tool more than anything. And the other thing, um, I have a lot of trainers um, on the track and and in the in the sports arena of eventing and and uh, dressage and hunter jumper where maybe they're using a different training technique or they're training on a different surface or they're trying to do and they want to know how this horse's body's responding. You know, um, they're holding their head different. They're not pushing off from behind. They're doing. You know, there, there's all different feedbacks. Um, or like I said, sometimes I have a horse placed in front of me because um, they have an underlying process going on that maybe their um, the the owner, or the trainer is interpreting as a, a lameness or chiropractic issue when when in fact it might be a systemic or a, a nutritional or a, it, there's multiple things or even a husbandry issue that we just haven't worked out. So um, it is it's. It's an investigation for sure. Today's Disease Du Jour podcast is brought to you by Merck Animal Health, the maker of prestige vaccines, Banamine, Panicure, Regimate, Protozil, and other trusted equine health solutions. Merck Animal Health works for you and for horses. Learn more about Merck Animal Health's comprehensive portfolio of products, as well as their unconditional investment in our industry, profession, and community through programs such as the Respiratory Biosurveillance Program, the partnership with Equitrace, which delivers secure, streamlined record keeping and instantaneous temperature measurements when coupled with Merck Animal Health Biotherm Microchips. Visit MerckAnimalHealthUSA.com for more information. I think one of my eye-openers, because I was always a chiropractic skeptic, mm-hmm. and I saw a really good chiropractor work on a stallion one time. Mm-hmm. And the endorphin release in the stallion, the happiness of this horse when he found a couple of spots that were, you know, and he was he was a breeding stallion, when he was able to release whatever pressure was there was physiologically visible. So, yeah, there's something that goes on there. And if you I think that that kind of turned me. It, it is. It's amazing. And and I run into all personalities of of horses, you know, some enjoy it so much and some are nervous. I always say, here you have a fight or flight animal and you're going in and palpating and moving things. And you do, if you've ever had a chiropractic adjustment, say of your low neck personally as a human, you'll know it gives you a head rush. It makes you dizzy. So I've had horses, I adjust their low neck. They look at me, snort, look, look like I just set them on fire because again, I can't, I can't explain to them that, oh, don't worry. This is, and then they lick and chew and they do do. It's amazing the different responses you get, but it's all over the board. And it's all about how you work around them and with them to um, that contributes to the process, the success and, and maybe the lack of success of it, too. So let's talk a little bit about, I mean, working with other veterinarians, because 
We know, yeah. and it's probably easier in some of your hunter jumper and stuff because those folks, I think, are are open more to it. And I spent 30 years in the thoroughbred industry. So the, if, if you want to say skeptic in the dictionary, you, you have a thoroughbred trainer <laughs> right next to it. So how do you how do you convince these people or how do you get called in? Maybe sometimes are you are you the last resort? Oh, my gosh, let's call Dr. Carroll. We've tried everything else. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, there, that will happen in a lot of cases where, you, you know, I see practitioners, you know, just be frustrated because the rider or the trainer say this horse just isn't right. This horse just isn't right. And the the practitioner will come and have, has done everything right. An impeccable you know, work up lameness exam. And, you know, they're, they're frustrated because you know, the nuts and bolts are, are where they're meant to be. And it's obvious. Cause I also say what one of the, and I've seen this be a huge hurdle um, as far as a verbiage for veterinarians who don't have a background in chiropractic and it's the word subluxation. Okay. So um, the word subluxation or a rib out or or that kind of verbiage is very problematic um, in the veterinary world. And I get it. Um, and what he, what a, a adjuster chiropractor is saying there is not what the practitioner is picturing. So yeah. a, a vertebral subluxation complex is totally different than a sublux a veterinary subluxation so veterinary subluxation or a veterinarian going addressing the subluxation that that joint that bone that area is out of normal place it's out of place like that's an emergency or something bigger than what a chiropractor can handle a vertebral subluxation complex is okay you and this is where a video would have been super but i'm going to describe it to the best of my okay. ability is that you have a joint with a normal range of motion. So just imagine a marble rolling around the inside of a sphere, okay? So that's your, your ball and socket joint rolling around. The, and it, on a normal, healthy, happy day, it has the ability to roll all around every part of that sphere. Now, a vertebral subluxation complex means that marble rolls around in that sphere, but actually falls to the northwest corner of it and just gets lodged there, just starts to fixate there. Maybe it stays there because it has a magnetic pull. Or in this instance, maybe there's soft tissue spasm or tension pulling it to that northwest corner of that sphere. So what I'm doing is reintroducing full range of motion inside that joint, inside that sphere, which would be its normal range of motion. But I, it's not that it came outside of that sphere or its normal range of motion. It just got a predilection. Maybe it's frozen into the middle. Maybe it's frozen to, you know, frozen is not a super scientific term, but it gives you a visual visualization right, right. of the marble and the sphere. So, so I'm here to tell the veterinarians, it's not when you hear subluxation, it's, it's not that, you know, that ball and socket joint is outside of its norm. It's within its norm. It's just not being utilized to its full potential. And then there's a whole catalyst of problems that come with that. That's where you get your compensations, your overloading, your muscle tone changes, your fascia changes, your spasms, you know, you get soft tissue strains, you do. So, 
so chiropractic, again, that's why it, it's best used on the preventative end or as um, you look for those canaries in the coal mine, you know, it's your sentinel for, for a bigger problem setting up down the road. Um, so, so that is one thing. The other thing I will say, um, I, I want to say I've been around long enough and I've had enough discussion and, and I've been entrenched, particularly in the racing industry long enough um, that, that it is, and I do make it my goal to educate people on stuff like that, the verbiage like that, that is um, problematic. Um, everybody's saying the same thing, but in two different arenas. Um, the veterinarians are right. We shouldn't be working on subluxations, but we're not. We're working on vertebral subluxations. Right. So, um, but the other thing is, is that most veterinarians now, especially lameness practitioners here, I'm not competing with their lameness work. In fact, I can augment that because half the time, if they come to do a lameness workup on a horse, they're having to look through all these compensations and horses can, especially in a, a fight or flight animal of any sort, they're, they're masters at masking some things, some better than others. We have some, some thoroughbreds that were Madonna's. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> but if we say like my Frisians or some of my dressage horses can be, gosh, they have to have something falling off before they alert you, which is, um, which is in my draft breeds. So if I can strip away some of their compensations, it makes it way easier to find that single root. Or so um, it, there's getting to be a lot less pushback, um, and and people are gaining more personal experiences. Sometimes out of desperation, you know, bless the the equine veterinarian that is palpating, you know hundreds of mares in a season and they decide I'm going to go to a chiropractor and, you know, find re relief that way, or the equine practitioner <laughs> that's doing a ton of lameness exams and doing all those flexion tests. And they decide one day they need to go and, you know, get adjusted because what that does for their lower back and hips after driving in the car as much as we do. And so what, <laughs> there's nothing like personal experience that also can, can change a mind. Um, but outside of that, the discussions of, you know, what we're truly doing um, in the chiropractic realm, actually, um, the, it, it's synergistic to what my general practitioners are doing in the field. Well, so then I would say for our veterinary audience, if you haven't worked with a certified chiropractor, uh, then might be worth uh, talking to one and seeing maybe what they can do to help augment uh, what you're trying to do in your practice. Again, as, as Dr. Carroll said, she's not competing with you. She's offering another tool to help these horses get back to a point where they can perform the way that they are meant to perform. Yes, exactly. No, it, it's, um, it's very rewarding and, and um, like, very often it's it's a team approach and, and especially with the volume we have here in Kentucky volume of horses, um, you know, in in ratio to veterinarians, it definitely makes it and the pressures that are on here. There's an economic pressure, you know, we um, and there's an emotional pressure There's people. Um, yes, we have volume of horses on the breeding farms and, you know, at, in the stallion sheds and at the sales grounds. But but the the individuals devoted to to making the mating pairs and 
having the foals and and taking care of the mares and raising these yearlings, you know, there's an emotional connection with with um, the the teams on these farms that um, anything they can do for these horses to make them more comfortable and to bring out their their potential um, is awe inspiring as well. Yeah, and that's uh, that's that's true. Having having been there, done that, I can tell you that the the love that people feel for these horses would surprise a lot of people who have not been in the thoroughbred industry. Correct. Yeah, and you know, I think so much gets focused on the economics and the business portion of it. You know, um, and sometimes portrayed negatively. Um, uh, you know, to laymen, and it's such a shame because it's just the opposite. I know. So many people, trainers, barn managers that have their horses get chiropractic work and acupuncture work and all the other therapy modalities we have to offer well before they sign themselves up for it. Um, Yeah. I always say, you know, at the end of the day, I would love to die and come back as one of these horses in one of these barns because they they are uh, definitely well managed. Well, I, I certainly agree with you there. Is there anything else I know that, you know, again, we, we may have to have you come back and talk about some of the other things that you do, but I, I love soapboxes. <laughs> no, I, I love this because it's uh it's nice that you have not only the what I call the working end of the pitchfork background, but the education that has gone through. You've gone through all of the, the schooling and now you're out back at where these people are on the working end of the pitchfork, trying to make these horses feel good and, and release their capabilities. Absolutely. No, no, it is. And, and I, I do think that having um, exercise road as long as I did, and that was more for my, for my heart and my body, you know, my phone <laughs> camera, I'm out there and there's nothing like having that nonverbal, um, that nonverbal communication with a 1200 pound athlete going 40 miles an hour, like you just can't, you know, clearly there's some adrenaline junkie there as well, but, (laughs) but it also gave me a perspective in what I do that I I couldn't get anywhere else. And, um, and that probably helped me get my foot in the door in a lot of situations as well. Uh, But when, when a trainer and or a rider comes to me and says, this horse is coming, you know, having trouble breaking from the gate, you know, we're switching leads at the quarter pole, we're switching in front, not switching behind, or, you know, we're, we're lugging in or we're doing this. Those are perspectives I have a bird's eye view of. So, um, yeah. and help relay to a, a, another practitioner who may not have that perspective. It's not that they're, you know, a fault for not having that perspective. I, I'm, I'm the, I'm the crazy one who straps the helmet on <laughs> does that i'm happy to do that and spare everyone else but no it um, it is it is a helpful perspective um to be able to interpret uh with and for people well that's great and thank you so much dr carol for joining me this morning for this episode of disease du jour and we want to thank all of our listeners for joining us and a special thanks to our 2023 sponsor merck animal health for letting us have these conversations We invite you to listen and rate past episodes of Disease Du Jour on your favorite podcast platform. And if you have any questions or suggestions, just send an email to me at kbrown, that's the letter K Brown, at equinenetwork.com. Disease Du Jour is part of the Horse Radio Network, the leading podcast network for horse lovers worldwide, and a division of Equine Network.